This podcast is being brought to you in part by the veteran-founded Hero Soap Company, located in Phoenix, Arizona. In today's environment, we must be aware of the products we apply to our skin. As a two-time cancer survivor, I cannot afford to take chances, and I use these products myself. The soaps will leave you feeling clean and refreshed. All the products made by the Hero Soap Company are made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients sourced from companies in the United States whenever possible. The products are made in small batches to ensure high quality and contain premium essential oils and fragrance. All Hero Soaps are created without synthetic colorants, parabens, and sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and are cruelty-free, meaning these products are not tested on animals. Each 5-ounce bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona, and the body wash is available in 8 ounces with such refreshing scents as the woods, tea tree, lavender, the fields, bourbon, lime, the pines, and arctic. You will absolutely love this soap. Please also check out their gear for sale. All the products are reasonably priced. Being veteran-founded, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. Over 1,200 bars have been sent to our deployed troops. Please check out their website, HeroSoapCompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products. When ordering, use the code RAP for a 10% discount. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook group, page, and the podcast Instagram. Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. Before we start, I would like to thank all of our listeners, supporters, and sponsors that have helped to make this podcast so successful. The podcast is being heard in all 50 states, all provinces of Canada, and over 60 countries around the world. The podcast has been ranked by Feedspot as one of the top 35 overcoming adversity podcasts on the web from thousands in that category and is ranked by traffic social media followers, and content freshness. Please visit the podcast website. It's a wrapwithwrap.com for all the episodes and other information regarding the podcast and to order our logo merchandise of which a portion of sales is donated to various charities and organizations and to sign up for our newsletter by entering your email address under the contact tab. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire motivate and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is King Randall from Albany, Georgia. A former United States Marine, he stands out for his success in empowering boys to be stand-up members of their community and society. King was alarmed by the high level of crime in his hometown. The young offenders were mainly black males as young as 11 years old. This inspired a spark in him to be the change the community needed to be the role model these young men were missing in their lives. King is the founder of the X 
for Boys program founded in 2019. This is the only rehabilitative program for juvenile offenders in South Georgia. In August 2022, King opened the doors to his most ambitious project, the Life Preparatory School for Boys, the first free all-boys boarding school in South Georgia. Welcome, King, to the podcast. What's going on, Ryan? How you doing? Uh, doing great, and we're, we're very happy to have you. First off, I want to thank you for your service. And let's start at the beginning. Uh, tell us briefly what growing up for you in Albany, Georgia was like and your family dynamic. Sure. Uh, for me, it was a bit different. Most of my friends and um, most of the people that I grew up with were all from single mother homes. I was raising a full family um, with my mom and my stepdad. And um, my mom did foster care my whole life. So I had a lot of siblings and my mom's only child. Uh, she's not able to have children, but I came along. But um, so I guess I was a miracle or what have you. You but, are a miracle, uh, man. Yeah, anywho. <laughs> um, yeah, but my family was uh, pretty full, had grandparents, uncles, um, the whole nine, um, even from our neighborhood, uh, from the people that, that were in the neighborhood, the men that were in the neighborhood helped raise all the young boys around. Um, my dad, well, my stepdad used to do a like, Bible study. Um, with us at nighttime during the week and um, you know he'd teach us how to work on cars and houses and we would weld and we'd build grills and do people's roofs uh, running electricity you name it um, we painted cars uh, we did some of everything growing up from skinning squirrels to taking care of dogs to, we almost had a zoo in the backyard because we used to catch everything and we would keep it as a pet, we had pet squirrels and pet raccoons and possums and everything. <laughs> uh, we just keep everything we caught uh, usually. Um, but that was kind of like how it was growing up for me. I mean, it was it was a I had fun growing up. I learned a lot and I'm grateful for all that stuff uh, now. Um, but as far as people around me in Albany, you know, if you weren't in my neighborhood, you know, I just noticed, you know, how how, how many boys, you know, didn't know the things that I knew. As I got older, I'm thinking that all boys, you know, just knew this stuff because I was doing it. Right. I mean, the people I knew were doing it. And, you know, these kids can't even read. Um, but we used to read every night uh, at home, you know, and we read the Bible and stuff like that. We used to always read and do like learning stuff. So it was uh, interesting to see and just discover that so many boys don't know how to do anything. But mainly because there are no fathers located around and most moms are working and most moms have, you know, three to four children already. Um, yeah. And then, you know, them trying to figure out how to raise themselves because mom's at work and then they're going to school all day and then school ends up raising them. And we know how school is in public school system. And, you know, they're just going straight for failure if nobody um, intervenes. Um, and, and that's, you know, why I kind of got the idea to do what I'm doing now. So in 2019, you start the X for Boys program. I might mm -hmm. add the only rehabilitative, rehabilitative program for juvenile offenders in South Georgia. Tell us about that program, what you teach, and the metric results such as reading comprehension, et cetera, that were attained. Sure. Um, I started a program out of my home in 2019. Um, it was I was just got I got tired of seeing so many uh, boys uh, going to jail and going right back to jail and not having any true rehab. Uh, for those kids. And it, it got annoying to me. And I was already trying to work with some adult males uh, in the community, but that was just kind of, it wasn't working. And um, once I started working with children, I started doing field trips with them. Um, I would rent vans uh, 
from this guy maybe 15 minutes away from my hometown and I would go purchase uh well I would go rent the vans and we would you know go buy tickets and go on these different field trips and we would have a blast um and these children were so eager to learn and were so ready to learn things that I just figured out that's where I needed to be because those children didn't want to be in the conditions that they were in and that's why I kept going started teaching kids how to work on cars um, I started at my uncle's house teaching them uh, like how to change oil and brakes um, and just working with as many kids as I could, teaching kids how to change toilets, how to grow their own food. I did a summer camp at my house um, in 2019. Um, that was an interesting thing because that's when I learned how so many boys couldn't read. And these children are in our local school system. And I was wondering who's passing them through school. There's no way you guys are in seventh, eighth, 10th, 12th grade, and you guys can't read to save your lives. And that was interesting to me, trying to figure out how they were passed through school. So that's that's where I was with that. And um, that's where I got the idea to want to open a school, um, because I told them that they were being failed, and I wanted to open them a school to be able to get them the correct teaching that they need, and also for them to learn those different skills and, be, and get a chance to be a boy, too. You can't be a boy in public school. It's just impossible especially in elementary school. Um, they don't allow you to just be a boy, um, especially a growing boy who's active, who's energetic, etc. These children aren't allowed to do that. They aren't allowed to just get up and move and, and be free and, and talk loud and be annoying. You know, that's what we do as, yeah. as boys. Um, but it's not annoying to us because we all know how we get along. But, you know, as far as having female teachers your whole life and then uh, you know, the classroom being saturated with girls, you know, it's it's just, it's a recipe for disaster eventually. And then you kind of suppress, you know, who that young man truly is. Um, and they usually, you know, either end up, uh, you know, not being themselves and turn into something that you don't want them to be. I mean, we want to make sure that boys are able to be themselves too, um, without having to feel like they have to be quiet and, and not be themselves and not, express themselves because you know women get extremely annoyed with us very fast and we have <laughs> ten thousand pounds of patience uh with one with one another so imagine them being at a school with women all day yeah. and uh girls all day and then wondering why the behaviors for boys look look like the way they do or they get misdiagnosed with all these diseases no he's just not a girl um he's not made to be sitting down and doing all that you know he's not made to be sitting around being quiet and not able to move around. That's that's impossible for them to be successful there. So they put them on all these medicines that are akin to crack cocaine and, um, you know, maybe a chemical or two away. And then now all of a sudden they're, they're good now because they're sitting like a vegetable and that's not how it's supposed to be uh, for boys. And that's another reason why I, I did solely boys. I do believe boys and girls need to be taught separately because they learn differently and they have different things they need to learn. And there's many different studies that show that boys and girls learn better when things are separate. Um, but of course, everything that school systems do is completely the opposite of what actually can make them successful. So every study that you see that can make something successful with children in the public school system, the public school system does the opposite. Yeah. Um, and to me, I believe it's all about design. Getting back to the uh, the last part of that question, the metrics such as reading comprehension, et cetera. What, what was the, uh, how did they improve under your tutelage? So, so we started out doing book clubs uh, with the boys right before COVID happened. And um, our children, we were reading with them every week, you know, nonstop from starting in our local library to the book club got too big to a point where I had to go uh, use the 
the front of this lady's shop um, where she used to do screen printing. And we would uh, ask her, you know, after she closes down, could we use her print shop to do our book club? And every week, you know, reading with those boys and vocabulary words and spelling tests and everything. I mean, the kids were progressing so fast, you know, and that's how we were able to get the reading comprehension rate so high because the children were learning how to read. We were having them read every week out loud, um, having them write every week and just watching what they're writing, giving them little small tests for them to take um, just to see how they're progressing. And the children were, were just doing amazing. Um, COVID hurt us a lot because those children were just getting in the groove of just learning. And so it kind of put a stop to a lot of that uh, learning and reading because of the COVID happening um, and everything with the lockdowns and all that goodness. But um, we still, you know, kicked it back up after things kind of calmed down. So, uh, but that's kind of how we were able to get things great with that. Um, this is just inconsistency. If you're able to be consistent, you're able to help. If you're not able to be consistent, they will remain the same. Um, that's why I don't believe in like just going to speak at schools or or doing one community event, like these little mentor events people do, you know, with kids now, you know, it's like, oh, we're doing a mentoring event and we're gonna teach your son how to tie a tie, you know, stuff that looks cool on camera. I'm just like, he's not gonna remember how to tie a tie next week, I promise. Like it's this they need consistent work with them um right. he's gonna forget everything you said next week like they need consistency on a serious level um and that's something that's gonna have to happen every day four or five times a week not speaking at a school not doing one mentorship program for two days that's not how things happen it happens w with a lot of background stuff where pictures aren't being taken and videos aren't being you know videoed it's, it's stuff that's happening and that people don't see um, like going to baseball games and, and, and helping them get uniforms and, and giving them life lessons and parents calling you at two o'clock in the morning. And that's, that's the consistency that, that happens here uh, in our program. Uh, right. the, the children can't get enough of it. It's, um, not, a, it's, parents, not, it's not a PR stunt, in other words. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. People don't understand that. And that's why you take what I do so serious, um, especially when it comes to mentoring children people see me not show up to a lot of things and i'm just like i don't see that as no real change like and you know we'll have events and then put stop the violence in front of it and i'm just like that's that is not gonna stop the actual violence i mean we can have a baseball game and call it stop the violence baseball game and nothing's gonna happen that's that's not <laughs> how we do it you know right. but it sounds cool and it gets money out of people's pockets so but that's that's where we are you know, in our communities right now. And that's why I don't show up to a lot of things because I'm like, I do everything that I do for free. I don't charge anything uh, for our students. I get out, I get up and raise money every day for our kids so they could continue doing everything for free. Um, whether that be playing basketball, learning how to swim, learning how to read, uh, learning how to do construction work, whatever. We're gonna try to make sure everything remains free for our students. And that's why we raise so much money because we believe in consistency here. And the only way we can do that is through raising money, of course, but also being here. King, what attributes do you possess that get positive results out of your students? What do you think uh, is the reason you're getting the positive results as, as opposed to like teachers in school and things like that? Uh, I mean, again, I'll say, uh, you know, patience and consistency. Uh, most teachers, especially nowadays, don't have any patience like teachers back way back then did. 
um teachers nowadays for one it, it's work to them now back then teaching was a thing that you know they wanted to do because they really wanted to teach but looking at the bad behavior of the students nowadays no assistance coming from your administration no assistance coming from the school system itself for teachers um teachers nowadays are i mean they have incentives to just pass kids through school now and to make this test scores look cool and and to you know make sure kids are graduating because the graduation rate is extremely high but the kids don't know how to read or do math you know so and i can understand because i go to the schools and there's so much degeneracy going on at school from the kids having sex at school smoking at school fighting gang activity i went to the school the other day and the kids are shooting dice outside the cafeteria like this is this is stuff that i'm talking about that nobody wanted, wants to to address you know but i was wrong for calling this stuff out or talking about the, the degeneracy that goes on at school it's, it's straight degenerate behavior in our schools and they don't have any patience or consistency uh to want to deal with it and that's something that you know i believe i possess to be able to help children because i actually want to help them for one and um you know having the patience with them to work through their issues through their little disrespect through their you know not trusting people i believe let me take a very brief moment out to alert all our patients and caregivers out there that rare patient voice a supporter of the podcast is paying for your input. Patients 16 years and older and caregivers, family and friends of any disability, disorder, syndrome, illness, or condition have the opportunity to express their opinions through surveys and interviews to improve medical products and services. Who knows your journey better than you? Rare Patient Voice puts you in touch with researchers who are developing products and services that can help you and others with your condition. These researchers need input of patients to develop products and services that have significant impact on patients' lives. Over the past nine years, Rare Patient Voice has paid patients over $10 million. When you join Rare Patient Voice, you may be invited to participate in interviews, surveys, or online communities where you will share your insights. Rare Patient Voice usually has hundreds of studies running at any time, so there are many opportunities to participate. You will earn $120 per hour for participating in these studies. By making your voice heard, you are a catalyst for change. Rest assured, your input will be used to help other patients like you. There is no cost at all to you, the participant. You can get more information and sign up by clicking the link in the sponsor's notes. That's how you, you're going to change them, and that's through patience and consistency. No patience, no consistency, no change. Well, that was going to lead into my next question. What's the state of the public school system in your community and the lower income areas in the U.S. and your thoughts about why it is like it is, but you pretty much answered it. Uh, I think it's patience consistency. I think uh, I remember when I went to school back in the way back in the day, I mean, the, the teachers were much more patient. Uh, mm -hmm. They were there to teach. And, uh, you know, there was a respect factor there. And, uh, you know, it's just missing today. Tell us the negative situations these boys come from entering your program. I mean, most of the, the negative situations they have come from, I mean, of course, a lot of them are things you hear usually, such as, you know, being abused, being starved, being molested. I mean, the whole nine, uh, anything you could think of bad to happen to a kid, it's happened and we've had them in our program. And sometimes it, you know, comes as a shocker. You know, especially after you find out after a while, like you've had a kid for so long and then to find out something's been happening to them for 
a couple months or so and you didn't know and things i mean it's it's, it's a lot um and it, it is uh mentally you have to be mentally there to be able to deal with stuff like that and and to want to you know continue helping those children because they go through so so much i believe children are so strong I, I believe children are stronger than adults um because i've seen children go through some serious um trauma and still smile and still you know, do what they need to do and still play and still have friends. And because adults, we go through stuff and then that like the world's over and we can't breathe, you know, but children are yeah. so strong, you know, they've seen so much and keep pushing. Um, and that's something that I, I, I love to see in children. So if you could have somebody around you, you know, to help you through those traumatic experiences, I do believe, you know, they can make it through it, but they go through so many uh, different uh traumas i mean we could go all day on the things that have happened to these children and things they saw and things that have happened to them yeah absolutely and and we have we've had a a whole bunch of people that have been been down that road and they didn't have uh somebody like you with them at the time and then down the road when they get to be adults there's all kinds of issues that they have mental health issues so absolutely because they never attacked them and usually if nobody was there to help you through it you know as an adult you will blame you know your childhood on 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 why you know you can't be successful and stuff and i don't believe in in victimizing yourself at all i'm I'm just like you know (laughs) we got to keep moving at a point but it's easy to say that when you had somebody to help you through it if you did it all on your own and grew up with no help and no assistance, then of course it's going to be harder for you to get, become an adult and, you know, help it. Like that's, that's like guys, you know, 35 years old, still blaming their dad, leaving them. I'm like, bro, look, bro, you're 35. We not, we not, okay. Dad went to the store to get milk and never came back. You're 35. Now we not using that excuse. I don't believe it's a real excuse, you know, just keep it moving. We don't have time for that. And I wouldn't have people in my friend group that subscribe to that nonsense anyway, but at a point, you know, we stop blaming our childhood, you know, for things that we're doing now. At a, at a point, you make your own choices. And but that's always important to have people to help you through these things, too. So like I said, it's easy to say when you when you had help through it. But if you don't have any help through it, it takes a little while longer, especially in your early 20s and things like that to get through it. But after a while, you know, your decisions, you know, as a person end up um, shaping your life. They're about 35, 40 years old your decisions have made your life for you now. Um, yeah. Nothing that happened when you was 12. Uh, yeah. Your life decisions are what your life looks like now. Very well said. Tell us, King, about the pushback uh, of your efforts that you have endured. Originally, there was no pushback-ish per se. Um, I really didn't get any pushback when we first started at all. I mean, people were all for it and behind it and everybody wanted to help. It was all up until we got invited to the White House in October 2020 when everything started to spiral down (laughs) as far as like local hometown support and things like that. President Trump invited us to the White House. And then I got a whole lot of love and a whole lot of hate. People was like, why are you taking them to the White House? And he just want to use them for a photo op. And why are you taking them to see this racist man and all this stuff? And just like I told them, you know, he's a sitting president. Why would I not take my students to go to the White House, you know, to go stay in a nice hotel, to take their first flight and go somewhere they've never been, 
you know, a lot of those children hadn't even been outside of their hometown. Um, but to get a chance to go to uh, the White House, to stay in a super nice hotel and to see the president. I mean, you don't get to say that every day. They probably never get to say that again. Yeah. You know, so why would I deprive them of that experience? Because you don't like who's there. Or even, for example, you know, Governor Kent, because he's a Republican, but he supports our program. We get pushed back for that, too. Um, and I'm just like, I don't understand, you know, just because you don't like these people or their politics doesn't mean that I'm going to deprive my students of experiences um, because of what somebody's politics look like. At the end of the day, they're all birds, of, you know, feathers of the same bird. You know, uh, we still have to keep pushing and we have to talk across the aisle to get things done. You know, that two parties stuff is is a, just serves as the, a divider for people. Um, because a lot of times people do have to go across the aisle to get things approved and and to work together. And I believe we could, you know, make a lot of more change if we decide to work with people and stop worrying about if this person said this or if you should talk to that person because they're this and that and their religion is this. And it's it's too much. You know, nobody really knows who's right at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, as you can, what you can do is live your life and be a good person and give back. And that's what I believe in. But uh, pushback came from there. Um, and then our local school system, we had a big falling out with them a couple of years ago um, because we were trying to buy a local school building that they had up for demolition, um, which is still sitting there to this day, dilapidating. Um, and we just wanted to ask, we tried to get them to donate the building, but then they wanted half a million for it, which I was fine with still because we were just going to raise the money to to purchase it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't work out. They they deemed us competition. And they tried to give me a contract to the point where if I signed it, I would never be able to open up our own school. They wanted to be in control of all of it. Um, and that's not what I wanted to see. And I told them that. And so we backed out of the deal with them and then it got ugly. And things spiraled down with there uh, from a lot of newspaper articles to, you know, radio interviews, et cetera. It was a lot of bad, you know, said about me at the time in our program. But, you know, who cares? We kept moving. and. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, pushback comes from a lot of places now, um, from other local nonprofits, you know, and and things like that. So, uh, pushback comes from a lot of places, or even online, because we have like people hate that we have white, white and mixed colored supporters. You know, black people get upset with me because oh, you got white people that support what you're doing. You must be a white supremacist stuff. And I'm just like, why? It's a program that works with children. Anybody could get behind it. Um, I can see if we're a political or organization, but we're not. We're just right. a, a organization that works with kids, and you guys trying to politicize it and make it about race. You're just trying so to help people. Too much. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's that's kind of like a an idea of the pushback that we wow. get, but we're used we're used to it now. Yeah. So. Let it roll off your back. Tell us about the mental model you use. Oh man, um, I guess to explain that, um, you know, it's uh, for one, our biggest thing is is keeping our bearing. And, um, you know, I believe that uh, consistency is, again, what builds everything. And I always say, you know, when people ask, you know, how we, you know, get the boys to do certain things, it's we develop habits with them. And habits uh, build character and character makes the man. Um, so we create routines with them also because routines create habits. And um, once they have habits of saying yes, sir, and no, sir, and standing up straight and walking a certain way like we do this constantly with them but then from the beginning of the year to the end of the year you, you'll notice 
you know, how they were walking before and how they're walking now, how they were talking before and how they're talking now, how they're giving the proper greeting today, you know, now versus when they weren't before, you know, when they were, weren't speaking to people before, when they're speaking to people now, all those little small things, you know, are, are what helps um, develop that mental model because you've created a habit now of, you know, standing up for yourself also and speaking louder and, and, and having some self-confidence, all that is in, you know, routines and in that mental model. And then again, going back to keeping your bearing, uh, a lot of men lose their lives and not even just literally, but figuratively because they don't know how to control themselves in certain situations. Um, they are too reactionary. And now there is a push, you know, for men to be more emotional and act out their emotions and stuff. Well, men who can't control their emotions and act out their emotions are rapists. Men who can't control their emotions and act out their emotions are murderers. Men who can't control their emotions and act out their emotions are school shooters. Um, so we don't want men to do that because we think some dastardly thoughts sometimes when we are very angry, etc. You know, but as a man, you learn how to keep your bearing and control yourself. Um, but for those people, you know, who are trying to get men to undo that, I'm like, I don't think that's the world you want to live in, you know, with a man who's acting out on his emotions all the time or being so emotional and all that crap. You know, that's it's you're going to lose yourself. And you're probably going to lose your life, you know, messing with a man who can't control his emotions. So, again, you know, that mental model that we're trying to, you know, build is is one that also can deal with adversity. Um, because nowadays uh, it's it's popular to go through stuff now and act like you can't you breathe when something happens. You know, I'm just like back in the day, these, I, I sometimes I look at my life. And things that have happened and i'm just like i don't i'm not going through anything compared to what my great grandparents had to go through and things like that like this this is nothing yeah. and they wish they had a life as easy as this they can wake up in the morning and not wake up worrying about somebody gonna come hang their granddaddy or or if they could go drink at this water fountain i can wake up and do whatever i want to do every day and i got a reason to be sad absolutely not there's no reason to be sad i have things to do and i can be successful um so Again, it's it's too much that, you know, people before us went through for us to be, you know, going through minor stuff like somebody saying something about us online, you know, or calling you ugly or something like that. I'm just like, it's too much, you know, that we go that people have went through for us to be worried about that stuff. We have to keep moving. So we've we've gotten so collectively soft as men, you know, nowadays and we're not breeding that with our boys. No, you know, things going to happen. People are going to talk about you. And life as a man is pain and suffering, you know, and with pain and suffering, it builds you into a better man. Um, so sometimes things happen to me or, uh, you know, bad things happen and I just let it roll off my back and people get upset because I'm not so angry or whatever or think I'm not taking crap serious. I'm like, I am, but I'm just like, what can I do, you know, besides fix it? So yeah. there's no point in being upset about it. You know, you keep moving, being upset and, and acting out on those emotions is, is what's going to hurt you. Um, so you just let that stuff roll off your back and, you know, you learn your lessons and you keep moving. But the moment you allow those emotions to overtake your thoughts, and overtake your actions is the day you probably going to lose your life or lose something important to you. Yeah. Um, that's why I believe in, in remaining stoic, as they say. What are some of the frustrations you face uh, doing your job with the boys? Uh, sometimes <laughs> disobedient moms. You know, we, we do a lot uh, trying to get the boys out of their old routines and habits. And for the most part, most of our moms, they listen. And things like that but sometimes we have moms who you know don't want to take heed to some of the disciplinary uh things we're trying to tell them to do at home or to keep those habits up at home like for the summer i could guarantee that most of the boys weren't doing some of the routines that we've had them do all year so i know as soon as they get back we're gonna have to undo 
some of the stuff they were allowed to do during the summer, like not getting up on time and not exercising. I already saw one of our boys, he's gaining that weight back again. I'm just like, just sitting at home playing video games and eating fat snacks and, you know, not getting outside. So we're going to fix that as soon as he gets back, you know, and just, just a little small stuff, you know, but they've had 10 months of habit building, you know, so some of the things they can't get away from, like the way they speak and the way they walk and things like that, they can't get away from that. But as the years go by, you know, as they keep staying in school, you know, they're going to spend so much time with us that they'll eventually turn out to be, you know, great men. But usually it's, it's, it's just that. Um, I would definitely say that. Um, other frustrations, quote unquote, aren't, aren't really enough for me to call it something that would hinder uh, anything that we're doing. It's just little stuff that I could fix on my own. Um, but other than that, uh, yes, yeah, I'll definitely say sometimes uh, moms can be a bit disobedient in, in what we're trying to do uh, with their sons. I'm um, just like, if you're going to send your son to us, we need you to trust, you know, what we're doing uh, right, with them. Right. And most of them do, but we'll have a few here and there that give yeah. us a little pushback, but eventually it turns out for the better. So well, that's good. What is the timeline it takes to change or rehab a boy? And are there cases that cannot be changed? Yeah. Um, the reason I work with boys ages uh, 11 to 17 especially at 11 is because 11 years old like when you're a sixth grader that's that age where you first get to middle school you're finally out of school uniform and finally out of you know being babied all the way through you know middle school is a, a bit different and that's when you start to learn yourself and discover yourself and develop your habits you're probably going to have in a, as an adult what you who you were in middle school my uncle always says who you were in middle school is who you are now if you were a dweeb in middle school you're a dweeb as an adult I mean, he says that all the time uh, he's like you're a dork in middle school you're a dork now if you're a jock in middle school you're a jock now like he he says that but it's so true because i am still who i was in middle school to a point you know like not like a hundred percent but to a point you're still that person because you developed mainly who you were going to be in middle school and whoever had control over what you were learning and who was mentoring you, et cetera, in middle school, all the way up until maybe ninth grade, that's ultimately who you are. And uh, that's who you're going to be for a long time if you don't have any other intervention. And most kids don't have any other inter intervention. So um, I believe, you know, working with- The podcast is so happy and proud to have Blue Sky CBD as one of our sponsors and supporters. At Blue Sky CBD, they know that the highest quality CBD starts from the seed. Blue Sky partners with sustainable, responsible farms for superior hemp plants to extract their CBD and other healthful phytonutrients. Each of Blue Sky's products contain high concentrations of CBD for maximum impact, and Blue Sky offers some of the lowest cost per milligram CBD on the market. All Blue Skies products are THC-free and are tested by a third-party laboratory for potency and purity. All this has made Blue Sky one of the only brands trusted by healthcare professionals across the United States. As the demand for CBD and its therapeutic potential have grown rapidly worldwide, it's difficult to know which products you can trust. At Blue Skies CBD, they don't just sell their products, they use their products. Blue Sky CBD proudly shares testimonials of their loved ones who use these products. Blue Sky CBD guarantees the potency and purity of each and every product they sell. Blue Sky tests their products three times. First, the plant is tested, next the isolate, 
and last, the final product to ensure each product batch meets Blue Sky's high standards. A copy of the Certificate of Analysis is linked below each product description online. The Blue Sky CBD website contains client testimonials, including a case study for each testimonial from people just like you regarding people dealing with severe anxiety and insomnia, high blood pressure, pain management, headache, rheumatoid arthritis and spondylitis, and endocrine balance. Blue Sky even makes the product pet love for our canine and feline family members. There is some confusion between medical marijuana, CBDs that contain THC, and the THC-free hemp CBDs within states. Blue Sky CBD uses CBD derived from hemp that is THC-free, which is drug-free and can be sold everywhere legally. Blue Sky CBD wants you to feel confident with your purchase and offers you excellent customer service. If you are not satisfied with their products, you may request a refund of the full purchase price within 30 days of the product received date. When ordering, please use the podcast link to receive 20% off your initial purchase. The link and website information will be listed in the podcast notes. Our children right now, um, they're 11, 12 years old right now. They're developing such uh, great habits right now. It takes, I will say for older children, it takes longer because as you get older, the more your routines and habits stick in your head and stick in your brain and, and, and the ways you think and the things you do, they're starting to stick now. So I say, uh, you know, as they're starting to stick, you know, it takes longer to undo those things. You gotta think, they're, I have to undo 17 years of what they've been doing so long. I have to undo 16 years of what they've been doing. So I'll say it's easier. I'll say 11 year old, you know, maybe a year, you know, two at best, but you know, 16, 17 year olds, 11, 12 graders, if they aren't already on a path to trying to change themselves and if they don't even want to try, you know, those are the cases that I think, you know, are just unsolvable. I've only had a few where I'm just like, you know, life is going to have to teach you. And, I've had, you know, some young men that I felt like, okay, well, just life's going to have to teach you because you don't want to hear me. And I've had a few of them come back and be like, you know, Mr. King, I'm sorry, you know, for all that trouble I gave you, but this is exactly uh, what you said. Yeah. And life had to hit him in the face a couple of times. Life's going to punch you in the face if you don't, if you don't want to hear any teaching. And that's what happens usually. But you do get some cases that are, I guess, unsolvable. But for the most part, any 11, 12, 13, 14 year old is is easy work, you know, that's a consistency for me. So Okay. Tell us the feedback that you have received uh from the parents of these boys and the feedback from the community at large. The parents, I mean, they're they're wholly grateful. We've posted some videos of some of the parents, you know, talking about what the program has done. And most of the parents are grateful. Sometimes parents they'll come bring their kid for a couple months and you know, we'll work with them for a couple months and then they disappear. You know, because I guess they've gotten enough, you know, of what they think he needs and things like that, which which is fine with me. And then they always come back maybe a couple months later or a year later, like, hey, he's back into this. Are you still doing the program? I guess I'm still in the program. This is why <laughs> I tell you, don't take them out once they start. Do not take them out because they need to continue doing it just because they got good for a month or two, you know, doesn't mean everything's better now. Right. Um, but yeah, most parents, you know, we have awesome reviews. I mean, we haven't had, we weren't able to change every kid and every parent doesn't agree with what we do. Uh, of course, we've had bad reviews too. You know, we aren't, we aren't perfect here. Um, but for the most part, 
all parents love what we do and, you know, support what we do, even if their children are older or have grown out of the program, you know, we still have parents that are like, you know, we absolutely adore, you know, what's happening because they saw the change in their son. And that's something that's important to me. What about the feedback from the community at large? Uh, from people on the outside looking in, I mean, they, they absolutely love it because they've never seen it before, especially on the scale that we do it for free. Um, we have the all an uh, all boys boarding school that's free of charge. And I don't know where you're going to find that, honestly. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I've ever seen it, a, a free boarding school that isn't government funded, that's funded completely by the community. Um, I've actually, I would actually love to see another one, but the community loves what we do because also they get to see, you know, where their donations and funding is going. One thing we do is, you know, we're, we remain transparent with everything that we do with our funds and people get to see us painting. People get to see us, you know, buying stuff. I, I, I go post on social media when we go into Home Depot, when we're going to, you know, here and there buying paint, you know, uh, even our Amazon wish list has things that we need and people uh, love to give and love to see what we're doing because we're always constantly showing what's happening. So um, that's uh, some good community feedback that we get. Or even sometimes when detractors try and say things about me, you know, we have an army of people that will go and defend us most times. So that's why I don't usually have to say anything anymore. But uh, we definitely get a lot of positive feedback from the community more than negative. Great. Now, last August, as you alluded to, you opened the doors to the Life Preparatory School for Boys, the first mm -hmm. free all-boys boarding school in South Georgia. The school's motto is, let us make man. First, mm -hmm. share with us the spark that inspired you to start this project uh, and tell us how the school came to be, the obstacles you had to overcome opening, and how, and again, how was it funded? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I may mention earlier of the issues we had with our local school system. And I also talked about how uh, many of the children that I discovered couldn't read. And that's where I got the idea to want to open a school. Um, so we did a lot of uh, building shopping uh, for quite some time, actually, uh, trying to find the, the right school building and the right place to, to host the life preparatory school for boys. And um, it was a lot of trial and error there, a lot of, you know, losing buildings and not being able to fundraise all the money. Um, There's a lot happening while we were trying to purchase our school. And a lot of obstacles we faced were mainly just uh, in trying to fundraise at first. And then uh, again, mentioning what happened with the school system because they pushed us back like six to eight months because we were in negotiations with them forever. Um, trying to buy that building. And it was mainly, we weren't even really in negotiations. We were in waiting, just waiting on them to finally respond to something that we were saying, or finally waiting for them to respond to an email or respond to a contract or whatever. It was just a lot with them to the point where I finally got fed up uh, with them, um, especially after they, you know, compared us and them to McDonald's and Burger King. That was a lot uh, for us. And just um, COVID happening and then all the, the, the mouth that I got from the community, the negative attention uh, that happened after the school system deal, because obviously I don't control the media, the powers that be do. So once they wrote that bad article about me, I mean, people were all in our, we had this little anonymous squat box uh, that people can write in on our newspaper. And they were just saying like so many vile things about me and uh, people were making Facebook posts and people were making Facebook videos and podcasts and, talking about our personal life and everything. It, it was a lot and it got really, really ugly. But, you know, I pushed past that, whatever, you know, you let it roll off your back. Um, it, it did get to me for a little bit, but 
we keep moving. Uh, we have things to do still. We have children to save and we can't be worried about that. And um, I continued moving and uh, we eventually, you know, after so long, finally got to the school building that we have now. Um, it's 41,000 square feet, 25 classrooms, cafeteria, basketball gym, uh, the whole nine. We even have a, a church sanctuary there. Um, so everything, you know, we found in our building, you know, we were able to raise the money for it. And uh, we found everything there um, and God makes everything happen for a reason. And there was a reason we didn't get that school system building. Um, there's a reason we got the building that we have now. So those are some of the, the obstacles. And even while schools open, you know, there are still obstacles. Uh, maybe October, November, they called the marshals on our school. And, well, they said they got a call about the school, even though I don't know who would call aside from the powers that be. And um, they came with like 15 inspectors to the school in the middle of the school day. And the next day they came back and told us to leave because some of safety concerns or whatever. And um, they, the building is old. And so they were all in the, the roof and all in the attics and everything, like looking for any single thing. And they took pictures of so many things, like a 128 page report of things that needed to be done before wow. we could get into the school. And I could, I could go to your local restaurant and show you violations there. So of course, with a 41,000 square foot building, yeah. all the things that they found, you, we're looking at like a million, two million dollars worth of stuff to try and hold us back. Um, but I'm a firm believer, you know, in God and, and things will happen as they should. So we ended up using our office buildings. We do have three office buildings and um, we do school there and the children go to our boarding house that we have here also. So we do have a boarding house too. And um, our children stay at our boarding house uh, and X insurance uh, last year actually paid for the renovations for our boarding home. So children have a home to go to. And after they leave there in the morning time, we take them to the office to do school every day. So and right now we're in the process of getting our office renovated in the front to make it more of classroomy. So that's what we're working on now. So, but th so there are many obstacles. Your school is certified in other words then yes we you we utilize our school is a effectively a, a a home school boarding program technically we utilize a online curriculum uh from georgia cyber academy this is an online accredited um homeschool program um and so we utilize them uh for the boys to to maintain uh their grades and things like that until our school attains its its own accreditation um, okay. We utilize an online accredited program for our students. So as they pass through school, you know, they're still, you know, in their right grades and uh, have the right credits and things like that. Great. Now, tell me about uh, a little, you know, briefly how you recruit staff and you have to train the staff to your ideals to teach, you know, your ideals. Um, I try to keep everything in-house for the most part. So um, like, for example, um, my brother, uh, he is the, the the head junior instructor, but he he's about to turn 18 now, but he grew up through the program also. You know, he was there when the program began and he knows how everything goes. Or even one of my other um, instructors that I had, you know, he was in the program two, three years and, you know, he's progressed to a point where he already knows how things go versus me having to teach somebody new something. And I tried to hire staff outside you know we first you know start the school and it just doesn't work out because you can't get people to see like the vision you know that you have who weren't there when it started or people who come in and see something that's still building and don't take it serious 
as as serious as the people who worked on it take it serious. So you can, I mean, you can get people and hire them and pay them and tell them what to do, but they don't possess that uh that fire for it because they don't have any real hands in it. So I'm I'd rather our students, you know, who get older come and teach and instruct at our school um, because they already know how things go. And I could just simply train them on things to do or not to do, et cetera. But they already know the rules. They already know how things go. They already know how to, you know, uh, make me happy <laughs> for the most part okay. with, with, with what I want to see with the boys. Um, yeah. So for the most part, um, our children who are becoming seniors and stuff now, they've already asked, you know, can we come back and be instructors? I'm like, absolutely. You can come back and be an instructor at the school because they, they now want to show the other children, you know, what they've learned. And, and now, you know, yeah, like almost be in my shoes to see what it's like to, to train uh, boys. Um, and that they're excited to do that. So our staff has been pretty small. Uh, we started out with a bigger staff, but I just kind of let it let it dwindle down a bit because it's it's just hard with people who haven't saw the vision all the way through everybody that, that works on staff right now from the headmistress to myself to my other instructors like they have saw the program grow um we've all grew together with it so we all have a heart in it like even our headmistress like she would never quit she can't quit even if i wanted to fire her she wouldn't go because she's got so much love and heart for this you know organization yeah. like somebody would have to die for her to leave for her to she's leave invested in she, it yeah. yeah, she she's invested in it. She loves it that much, you know. Yeah. So, um, and that's where we all are. Um, and she'll go above and beyond. And we've all, you know, sometimes went without pay, sometimes, etc. You can't get anybody to do that, you know, who's just coming off the street, you know, right. putting a resume. You yeah. know, sometimes it gets hard, you know, and just like, hey, I can I can at least make sure you got food, and I can make sure you got gas in your car, but I'm not able to afford everybody's checks right now. You right. know, stand by. You know, and everybody's just like, okay, you know, we trust you. You know, but that's the type of family, you know, you have to have with what we're building. What a um, great and that's bond. Only you come, yeah, I'll say, and that's, we're going to have to have bonds and things like that. And that's just hard to get with some people who are just coming off, coming off the street. So only probably when we become a super ginormous, you know, program is when we'll, you know, of course, get people and have full trainings and things like that. But people don't take you serious when, when you're building and they haven't been a part of the building process because we're still building and still growing. And so if it isn't some magnificent thing that they're seeing, they don't take it serious. And that's, you know, being some of the kind of hardship with having staff. Because I've been wanting to hire more people. I'm just like, uh, I don't really want to hire anybody, though. So I'm like, I'll just wait till they turn 18 and we'll figure it out. So makes sense. Makes sense. I got a million other questions, but I know we're, we're short on time. Could your prep school be virtual to reach kids in outlying areas and distant places? Have you ever thought about that? Yes, I've had many people ask about doing virtual uh, uh, after school and virtual teaching with students. And I've and I've been thinking about doing it. Um, I actually do have this uh, this board I'm about to order uh, for our school where it does like big video chats and you could actually see what I'm writing on the board and things like that. So I could have my students who are actually in after school in person and then I could have my students who are in after school you know, they could be all over the country and have yeah. them online. I would probably make our students that are online pay per se, um, maybe like 10 bucks or something like that. Nothing crazy. Um, but all of our in-person stuff, you know, of course it's free, but for our online students, just to have some commitment there, sometimes you have to make people, and it's not even just to take the money or anything. It's to build a commitment there because we're also thinking about maybe charging even $5 for membership 
for our program because sometimes the parents will hurt the boys by not bringing them when they want to come and stuff because they don't have any financial investment in it or whatever. They don't care to miss something or miss a field trip or not call us and tell us when you're not coming to something or we've already bought vans. I mean, we've already rented vans and got uniforms and then to find out you're not showing up and things like that. So we're only probably thinking about that just to, to have them with some type of commitment to the program, not to, to the point where we want to charge, but just to make sure that they have uh, commitment there. Um, yeah. Because that's what happens, you know, they don't have any financial commitment or incentive to to make sure the kid goes on a field trip. So if I say, hey, you know, the field trip is five bucks or ten dollars. You got to go on the field trip because I paid ten dollars, you know, so we're going, you know, yeah. you know type yeah. stuff versus where it's free. Oh, we don't have. Well, I'm still not waking up in the morning. We just tell them we're not going. You know, I'm just like, but we've already paid for tickets, man. We already got T-shirts, man. Like this is stuff we go through. So think about doing a little small stuff like that, but definitely virtual. Um, I've been thinking about in- implementing that for after school. Um, and I've been planning to order this uh, this this big board um, that I plan on having to come to the office soon um, that we could be able to do that with children from across the country. And so children can interact with those children, that sounds, our children here. That sounds great. How can people contact you, King? Um, you can reach out to me uh, on the website. It has my email there. Or you can email me there. And then all of our social media accounts are at New Emerging King uh, and at the X for Boys. Um, our website is thexforboys.org. That's T H E X F O R B O Y S dot org. You can reach me there, see videos, pictures, photos, find us on social media, send us an email, watch videos, you name it, is there on the website. And if you want to give, if you want to send letters, if you want to send the boys any knickknacks or whatever, our address is there for people to send uh, packages. We have our Amazon wish list for people who don't who want to actually send items. And again, you know, like I said, for those who don't want to give any monetary funds, you know, uh, or can't, you know, please share it out to your friends and family. And also, like I said, we have people send the boys letters all the time um, and just encourage them, you know, when they're going through things. And we appreciate that so much. So um, any any way that you wish to contribute, you know, is is on that website. And I might add that uh, my uh, logo merchandise, we haven't set a, a date for it yet but we'll do it for a month or two and periodically where half the sales will be going to your organization as well what what words of advice do you have for those kids out there that don't know their purpose um i always say uh, for people who don't know their purpose uh find your work ethic first people are so busy trying to figure out what it is that they want to do or what they're here to do and don't have any work ethic how you do anything is how you do everything um so if you're flipping burgers right now give 110 percent because you never know who's watching you and that's why it's important you know to give 110 percent because you never know who's watching and god blesses those who work um god helps those who help themselves and i believe that wholeheartedly so if you're putting in work with anything you know um you'll end up finding your purpose um because i don't believe god will give you a purpose that you're here for and you you don't even want to work um so why would i give gift you with finding your purpose and you're not going to work for it or you're not going to put in any work for it. That's just, you know, a waste. Um, so I always say find your work ethic first. Put it, give 110% to everything that you're doing already. And if you're not doing anything, do something, especially to boys. You know, you, sh- you should be working out at least. I always say that to, to every um, boy. I don't care how old you are. You should be doing something, whether you're outside running, doing push-ups every night, whatever. That's going to keep your mental, you know, model in place. Um, there's been plenty of times where I felt terrible and I just go, go to the gym when, especially when I don't feel like it. And I feel a whole lot better when I leave. 
Um, so just small stuff like that, keeping your, your mental in check, finding friends, you know, who are either trying to go where you're want, you want to go or are already where you want to go and you want to elevate yourself, but you don't want to be in a friend group where everybody are bums. Um, you don't want to be in a bum friend group. I don't care how long you guys have been friends. If they are doing degenerate activities and they are bums, you need to excuse yourself if you want to grow. Um, and as you grow, you're going to lose a lot of people um, to the point where I only have one best friend. <laughs> We've been best <laughs> friends for about eight, nine years now. But that's because we're always growing. We, we believe in some of the same things. We have the same mental model. And we don't allow a lot to you know, defeat us mentally. Um, we keep moving. And we have each other for that. Um, but find friends you know, and, and clean your friend circles up. And not last but not least, figure out how to, you know, protect and provide for the people that you care about. As a man, you know, um, one of the most fulfilling things that's going to make you feel like a man is, is being able to take care of the people you love. Um, if you're not able to take care of the people you love, you're not going to feel happy with yourself. And that's whether that be your mom, whether that be your sister, or if you're an adult, whether that be your girlfriend or your wife, um, you know how you feel when you're not able to, to do for them. Um, so you always want to make sure you're at a point where you're always able to to do for them, provide and protect. Should always be doing some type of training, whether that be uh, jujitsu, martial arts, or whatever. Um, learning how to use a firearm. All this stuff is important because you never know when something happens where you're going to need to defend the people that you love. Because we can always uh, provide for them. Is can you protect them? Um, do they believe you know you can protect them for real? If something happens or somebody breaks in the house, are you going to tell her to go look, or are you going to tell her to sit down and you go handle business? You know, these are things that are important and that nobody thinks about. Um, most men, we're always thinking about worst case scenario, especially me. So it's important that you, you know, think about all these things I just mentioned, you know, as a, a growing boy or as an adult. I mean, how can you become better? Um, there's no reason to be overweight. There's no reason to be, you know, waiting for something to come to you. You have to go make it happen. And for those of you who says your life is hard, good. That's that's how you become better. Every time something bad happens, good. That's how you grow. Every time something terrible happens, great. You're a man. Life is pain and suffering. Once you understand that, you become great. Awesome advice. Really awesome advice. I want to thank you so much, King, uh, for being on the podcast. You're truly a godsend to your community. And I wish you good fortune going forward with your work and, and helping you. These, these young men navigate through uh, the journey of life. Comments and suggestions for the podcast, you can email me at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is It's a Wrap with Rap. Instagram, it's a wrap with rap podcast. We are on Twitter at rapper, W-R-A-P-P-E-R 130. Our website is it's a wrap with rap.com. All the episodes are on there as well as other information related to the podcast. All the episodes are on YouTube. It's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. And for now, it's a wrap.